Welcome to Build Up with Mike Evans. Enjoy listening. We are all on the way to somewhere in life. The next step, that next goal, the next promotion. We are all, even if we have nothing going on right now in our life, or though it seems, we are all on the way to somewhere, to something. A new generation of Israel is on their way to the promised land. The older generation, everyone that was 40 years and older, is going to die off due to their lack of faith, choosing unbelief, choosing to listen to the bad report of those 10 spies that Moses sent to the promised land to spy it out. And so now the younger generation, those who are 40 years and below, they're going to go back in the wilderness moving around, and now years and years later, they're going to find themselves almost at the same exact spot as the previous generation. And in fact, they're going to be almost one step further than the previous generation and closer to the promised land. And this takes us to Numbers chapter 21, starting at verse 4. From Mount Hor, they sent out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So the new generation of Israelites, they are on the way to the promised land. They are a step closer to the promised land than the previous generation. And it says that they became impatient. I think that's something that we can all relate to. You know, getting impatient. It's very easy for us to get impatient, especially today, right? Because we're so used to getting things quick And so when we don't, we become impatient. And the problem with being impatient, what that normally leads to, the next step, is complaining, right? We complain after we become impatient. And complaining, it doesn't ever lead to anything good. In fact, usually the more we let it linger, the more we complain, usually it only leads to something even worse, Complaining usually doesn't solve any of our problems. Now, there is complaining that could be okay. That could be okay. And we're going to talk about that. But complaining that just lingers, complaining that's done with contempt, usually only leads to something worse. And now the major problem for this new generation of Israel was that they were so close to the promised land. They were closer to it than the previous generation of unbelief had been. And now they're beginning to act with the same unbelief or even worse than the previous generation. So something drastic had to be done. Something drastic had to be done. And so God 
decides to send these fiery serpents. God sends these fiery serpents to kind of get the people's attention, right? We, uh, we may be going through something drastic right now. And we may be asking those questions that are common that, you know, it's like, man, God, why am I going through this still? Why is this still happening to me and my family? Why haven't I moved on by now to something new, something better? And again, just complaining is not necessarily bad, but when it's done a certain way and we let it linger on the complaints, usually it only leads to something worse. And so God, not wanting a whole nother generation to pass away because of their unbelief, he is going to do something drastic in order to get their attention. And so he sends these fiery serpents to them. Now, it is okay to complain in a certain way. I believe that, you know, that God definitely does not mind our complaints. You know, in fact, I think that he appreciates it to a certain extent even, you know, because complaining is also being real. It's being genuine. It's being honest with how we feel, with where we're at right now. And God wants to hear our hearts. I mean, he, he, he already knows our hearts, but he wants to hear our hearts from our kids. You know, like I don't want my kids to keep anything from me. I want them to be open and honest and transparent with me. And so, you know, complaining is not in and of itself a bad thing. But when you complain with contempt, you know, complain with just a, oh, I can't believe you're doing this to me, God. You know, you're so horrible. You're, you're never going to come through for me. Why am I even going through this? And I mean, just complaining with contempt and just staying there. That's not what God wants. But I believe that there is a way to complain that, that is not, not necessarily sinful or not necessarily something that's going to lead to something worse. And so there's a different way to complain, which I believe that God wants us to. And that's to complain with hope. Complaining is part of being human. It is because we're all going to go through difficult situations in life. But the difference from us as followers of Christ than the people of the world is that when we complain, we complain with hope. You know, look at all throughout the Psalms, throughout Lamentations, when, when the people writing are just being real, being honest, pouring out their hearts, saying, woe is me. Why is this happening, God? Where are you at? I don't understand this. I'm surrounded on every side by my enemies. And they just go on and on, just, just being real and honest and complaining, right? But all throughout the Psalms, how do they end those, those laments? It always ends on the positive. It always ends with hope. You know, the psalmist will, will pour out their hearts, saying, I'm surrounded by my enemies on, on, on every side. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but I look to you, Lord God. You are my strength and my shield. You are my rock. I will forever praise you. Right? That's how it ends. And so we can complain. God can handle our complaints, and I believe that he, that he even welcomes them. But let's complain with hope as being God's children. And so let's keep this in mind as we're, you know, going through this. In Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 4, it says this, in your struggle against sin, 
You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Trust me, what Israel was going through right now, being bit by these fiery serpents and people passing away, that was not a good thing for them to go through. It was not pleasant at the time by any means. In fact, it definitely was painful for them. But God was trying to save them from something even worse. He was trying to produce in them something greater. He was training them so that something could be produced in them so that they can have a harvest of righteousness and peace and enter the promised land, unlike the previous generation. So we might be going through something drastic right now. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. What, what, but what could be happening is that God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to help us, save us from something even worse. And so when we're going through something drastic, and, and, and you may be there right now, we have two options. We could complain, and it could complain with contempt, you know, complain just sitting in there and just letting it get worse and grow worse. Or we could trust God, trust him that he disciplines those that he loves, that he wants me, that, that he wants us to share in his holiness, that he wants something better for us. And that's why we're being disciplined, that he wants, that he wants us to be trained by this so that a harvest of righteousness and peace can be produced. You know, why do I discipline my kids? It's not because I hate them. It's not because I want to be mean to them, but it's because I love them and I want them just to just to grow and mature and be trained and be better. So, you know what though? It could be hard <laughs> when it comes to complaining and and choosing to complain with hope. Versus just, man, like we're going through that drastic situation and it's hard and it's challenging and it's difficult and we're just sitting and just wallowing in that complain. So how do we complain with hope? How do we complain with hope? I believe it's two things. The first thing, keep it unconditional. Keep our relationship with God unconditional. You know, how many times did Israel say either to Moses or to Joshua, say, we will serve the Lord. But, you know, it seems that under any type of bad condition, whether they were hungry, thirsty, or tired, that they would just complain. 
and then they wouldn't serve the Lord anymore. So it seems like they chose to serve the Lord, but under certain conditions, right? Hey, as long as we are well-fed, not fed just with any food, but with good food, as long as we have water, as long as we're not tired, then we will serve you, God. They made it conditional. And as long as our, as, as our relationship with God is conditional, say, yeah, God, I'll serve you as long as, you know, my finances are okay, as long as my kids are doing all right, my family's good, my, my relationships are, are, are okay, my job is solid, then I'll follow you, God. But the moment that any of those start to unravel, well, then I don't know. That means it's conditional. And that is always going to lead us to complain and just sit in that complaint. You know, I think of my daughter, Mariah. You know, her, 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 her story of, of, of her birth almost nine years ago now. Uh, she's our first child. And, and, you know, we were all excited and uh, so we're at the hospital and she's about to be born and all of a sudden things just go horribly wrong. And all these nurses rush in, the heartbeat that, that we hear from her, it starts to slow down, eventually it stops. And then, and then they, they rush my wife out and they go to emergency surgery. And then, you know, just to make a long story sh short, what ends up happening is as they bring my daughter out, she's lifeless. She does not have a heartbeat. She's black and blue. Praise God. The doctors resuscitate her and bring her back to life. And then my wife, she just continues to lose blood during this whole entire time. And it wasn't until two or three more days later that we knew that my wife was going to be all right. So for a moment there, throughout, throughout that first night, I didn't know if I was going to have my wife anymore or have my first daughter anymore. And man, you know, it could have been so easy during times like that to say, God, this isn't worth it. I mean, here I am putting you first. Here I am trying to honor you, trying to live for you. And this is what you're going to put me through. It's not worth it serving you, God, putting you first. Just forget it. I'm just going to go do my own thing. It's easy. But you know what? During that night, man, I never felt God closer to me in my whole entire life. I mean, now I, I don't want to go through something like that again, but I have never experienced the closeness of the Father like I did in that difficult night. And so I know that when we keep our relationship with God unconditional to say, God, I'm going to serve you whether I get this or don't get this, whether my bank account is good or not good, I have a job, don't have a job, I'm going to serve you, God. Man, that's when our complaints can end with hope. You know, Jesus, I mean, paints a beautiful picture of this in Luke chapter 22. As he, right before he's, he's about to be crucified, he's going to go to the garden, take three of his closest disciples with him, and he's going to go pray. And he's going to say this. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to be to, to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed even more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Here is Jesus, you guys. This is Jesus, the Son of God, praying. And, and, and really what he's doing 
is, you know, this could be considered as a complaint, right? Saying, God, Father, I don't want this cup. What, what you're asking me to do, I don't want to do it. Please, if you can, take this cup from me, right? But how does he end that prayer, though? Here is Jesus being open and honest and transparent with his Father, saying, please, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. But then he ends it by saying, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is honest with God, but then he ends it by being unconditional, saying, but not my will, though, God, not my will, but your will be done. So let's keep our, let's keep our, our, our complaints when just when we're pouring out our heart to God, being honest with him. He wants that. Let's do that. But let's keep it unconditional, though. Saying, not my will, though, God, but your will be done. You know better, better than I do. You see the bigger picture. I don't. So I choose to trust you, God. The second thing that we need to do in order to be able to complain, but complain with hope, is keep it simple. Let's keep it unconditional, but let's also keep it simple. You know, it said that just look at that bronze serpent that Moses made. All the people had to do, if they ever got bit by a snake, all they had to do was just look at that bronze snake that Moses made, and then they would live. And now, you know, this is just stipulation. I'm not sure exactly, but I could imagine that maybe some of the people that died, maybe it was because they thought, really, Moses? Just look at a bronze snake. You know, like, I need medical attention here. I need a prayer. I need you to talk to God and heal me. Just look at this bronze snake and then I'll be healed. That's too simple. That's too easy. I wonder how many people might have died because of how just foolish they thought that was. But, you know, one of my favorite passages in the word is when God says how he uses the simple things, the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And I believe God does this on purpose because he doesn't want us to feel like, oh, we have to be some scholar and memorize all this scripture and be able to and, and be able to just know this and know that and have a perfect record. And then we'll be able to, you know, experience God and all his goodness. I believe what God is saying is that, man, like he chooses the simple things, the foolish things of this world to shame the wise because he, want, he wants us to know that it's possible for anyone to enter in. You know, Jesus is going to make a reference to this event in John 3, 14 and 15. It says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So how amazing is this, you guys, that just as you know, Moses made this bronze serpent, set it on a pole, and whoever was bit, all they had to do was look to it, and they would live. And now Jesus is telling them that it's the same thing for us today. That even though we made the mistake, even though we sinned, even though we screwed up in life, all we have to do is look to Jesus. It says, even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus was lifted up 
on the cross to die for our sins. And now this is how easy it is, how simple it is that whoever believes, all you got to do is believe in him. It says, should not perish, but have eternal life. How incredible. All we have to do is look, look to Jesus and we are saved, we are healed, we are restored, we can be made into a new creation if we just continue to look to Jesus. When you're going through something drastic, let's not look to our friends, look to this source or look to our money or look to anything else, but let's look to Jesus. Isaiah 45, 22, it says this, look to me and be saved. That's all. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. There is no other person for us to look to, you guys. There is no other resource for us to look to. There's no amount of money to have. All we have to do to be saved, to be freed, to be made whole is look to Jesus. He's done it all already for us on the cross. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that all we have to do is look to you. You're not asking for us to say we're sorry a million times, to, 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 to make right all, uh, all of our wrongs, to fix all of our mistakes, and then we can look to you. You're saying right now, in the middle of our mess, all we have to do is look to you and be saved. So God, we look to you right now, Father. We, we don't look to anyone or anything else, but we look to you, Jesus, because you took our sin on the cross and died and defeated death so that we could be freed, so that we could be made whole, a new creation, so that we could have a relationship with you right here and forever in eternity. There's nothing that we can do to say thank you enough, God, but look to you. So help us to look to you today. And every day, no matter what drastic situation we might find ourselves in, let us just look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.